Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Odijedi. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we take a moment to acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to connect with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness in their individual journeys. Our hope is to encourage you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. There's this sense of ferocious intensity that I walked away from following this extraordinary conversation with my next guest that has left me both impacted and humbled. Passion, true passion, as I like to say, is infectious. And when you have the opportunity to witness and learn from it, you should take a second to stop and listen. Throughout his career as a professional actor, screenwriter, director, producer, poet, motivational speaker, and author, David Bianchi is no stranger to the kind of experiences and life lessons rooted in dedication, commitment, discipline, and personal growth that we aim to communicate on this program. When I came across an interview he gave on the Bollywood Meets Hollywood podcast in which he clearly expressed how, speaking of the Hollywood film industry, one should aim to chase your dream with no second guesses and no excuses, or otherwise pick another dream. David's energy is truly of the resounding kind. In this exchange, we tap into his deeper sense of purpose, living by your own set of standards, owning up to your frailties, acceptance of others as well as ourselves, dedication to serve, and so much more. The stereotypical cynicism that arises when you think of people in Hollywood would often lead one to make comments about how it's all fake and self-absorbed and such. But let me tell you, there are some genuinely passionate, authentically kind, and remarkably warm-hearted individuals out there as well. I got to meet one of them, and for that, I am truly grateful. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 84, with David Bianchi. Here we go. It's a, it's a terrific honor and a privilege to have you on, on the podcast for your insight and uh, you know, your powerful message that you put out, not just on Instagram, but all your platforms. You know, I've seen a lot of your videos, a lot of your spoken words. I really resonate with a lot of content that you push out. So I really want to thank you um, for, the, for the message, uh, for, the, for the encouragement, for the powerful truth and the intensity. You're a very, very intense person, my God. Yeah. But you're definite. And, I, and I, can only de- I can only deduce and detect that it really comes from a personal place, from your core. And um, I want to start this off with a personal story that you shared on the um, Hollywood Meets Bollywood podcast. And that really made me laugh and at the same time made me think. And I was really curious. And you're going to know which, short, which story I was ca- talking about. In your beginnings... In, uh, on, you know, pot and, and uh, you know, just acting and producing, and, you know, just learning, you know, getting, getting your, your, your feet wet into the film industry. And I remember you told a story about someone who left you some words of wisdom as follows. Kid, just keep showing up. And I was wondering if you could just share that story with us, you know. And uh, my question was actually, did it make sense then? And does it still make sense now? Um, okay. Yeah, well, look, thank you for inviting me on your podcast. I do appreciate it. Um, that is, uh, that's a story that, that I've, I obviously holds very dear to my heart because it, uh, it was a really uh, pivotal moment in, in my, in my, in my sort of early understanding of what it is I was trying to do as I was sort of at an embryonic stage creatively. And for the audience out there, my name is David Bianchi. I'm an actor, also independent film producer, uh, screenwriter, sometimes director. Uh, I've done some gallery exhibits, fine painter. I love photography, lover, madman, not necessarily in that order. Um, 
I am interested in making the world a better place, sort of one morsel at a time. Um, but that didn't happen overnight. I didn't come to that realization overnight. So back to the story that you just mentioned. Uh, when I first graduated from Arizona State University, um, I was on the cusp of moving to Los Angeles. Now, at this point, I, I was hot in my heart and my mind. I was on fire. I was lying ready to roar, ready to sink my two teeth into the, into the sidewalks of the Hollywood Boulevard and let them know I'm there. And mm-hmm. uh, I got this job in a movie called Transamerica, which is a, a movie that Felicity Huffman was nominated for an Oscar for. And it was the first mm-hmm. time that I'd actually worked on a real production. And when I say real production, I mean feature film that was over half a million dollar budget where there were producers that really knew what they were doing. Clearly, they created an Oscar-nominated film. So mm-hmm. it was my first time working on this movie. And it was my first time actually working on a set where I was in near proximity of quote unquote real stars. Now that's obviously a subjective term. So there's a gentleman named Burt Young who is on that set. And Burt Young is uh, very famously known for playing Paulie and Rocky in the original Rocky. <laughs> get him in there, Rock. Go get him, Rocky. And, um, and I was a locations, assistant locations manager. In fact, I got demoted on that movie to locations PA. I, I was green. And I'll, I can tell you that story because failure is necessary. Um, Obviously. So, you know, I finally got an opportunity to sort of get in the corner with Burt Young. And I was a cigarette smoker at the time. And Burt smoked cigarettes. He had probably been smoking all of his life. He had a you know, frog in his throat no matter where he went. And... um you know, as a crew member, as a lowly crew member, you're not really supposed to engage the talent. It's sort of like this invisible sort of language. But I got him in a corner. And I said, hey, Bert, you know, I just finished theater school. You know, I've been doing a lot of theater because at Arizona State, I graduated magna cum laude and I was the... Oh, congrats. Thank you. And so and I was one of the only, if not the one of the only men of color in the theater program. And being a fairly good actor, I, I, I excelled in that department. So I did a lot of leading roles in main stage shows with high production value in front of four or five hundred person houses. And so I felt good, you know. I get him in the corner, I say, Hey Paul, you know, hey um Bert, can you give me something? Just, just give me something. I'm about to I'm gonna take this money I'm making on this movie here, you know, slinging trash around and I'm going to LA, I'm gonna go make it. You know, you got anything for me? And he, and he looks at me and he's smoking his cigarette. It's almost like the, the Arizona sun was just hitting him on the wrinkled forehead just right. And he looks at me and he says, kid, just keep showing up. I'm giving you that long dramatic pause because that's exactly what he gave me. It just felt so tense. And me as a young, wild-hearted guy, I'm leaning in like waiting for more. What's the rest of the oracle? What's, what's, what's on the, what's on the back? What's the, what's the fine print? Where's the Sanskrit? Where, where, where's the amendment? But there wasn't. It just keeps showing up. So you asked me, so you asked me, does that make sense? Did that make sense to me then? No, it didn't make sense to me then because at that point, I hadn't really begun showing up to understand what it meant to keep showing up. Me, to be quite honest, I had busted my ass to get to Arizona State. I busted my ass to get a high GPA, busted my ass to get into plays. But I really wasn't prepared for the, you know, the hammerhead shark that Hollywood was going to be. So now hindsight is 2020. Does it make sense to me now? Absolutely. I absolutely am interested in just keep showing up and there's and now that I, and now in my maturity now mind you this was now july will be 15 years ago when this conversation took place oh wow 
And I remember I moved to LA July 18th because that's my father's birthday. And this production was two weeks before me moving to LA. So we're looking at about right after the 4th of July when this conversation took place. So 15 years later, not only does keep showing up make sense to me, it's part of my matrix. It's part of who I am. And it's also, it's also evolved into, it isn't even just about showing up, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and to keep showing up means that you are just in attendance. You are paying attention. You're stepping up to the starting line over and over and over again, which means you are constantly in a state of competition with other players. You are constantly making yourself available. You are always sort of dropping your shoulder. You're always on your periphery. You are on your P's and Q's no matter what. I think that there's also a sort of subtextual definition that has evolved through my maturity. And I think that is also that keep showing up means be a worker amongst workers. Okay. And why the reason I mean that is because it's not just about showing up because for many years I kept showing up, but it's like, how do you show up? I can keep going to class, but if I'm not opening the books, if I'm hungover, if I'm looking at the girl's legs, if I'm throwing spitballs at the dork, if I'm being a bully, if I'm not focused, I might as well be an empty shell of someone who believes he's showing up, and then I'm wondering why I don't have results. So I want to be prepared, and I want to be a worker amongst workers so I can look around, remain teachable, be part of the process, but also when you're a worker amongst workers, you're also engaging and being a part of other people's experience. And you're using your energy and your force to elevate the group which will elevate you. I once upon a time came from a place of believing that Hollywood and the creative arts was strictly a competition, but I now believe that it's not. I believe that there's enough money and there's enough art for everybody to survive. And everything that is good in my life is a direct result of being kind to someone else in most cases. And if I am a glutton, I don't have any food to give anyone else. And then no one wants to give me food when I'm hungry. So participating in the experience of my creativity while participating in the experience of other people's creativity is just as important as being available for my own because it is one and the same. So when you just keep showing up and you are focused and you are on edge and you are prepared with all your experience for the things unseen and willing to take the blows of the things that life will throw at you, eventually you will arrive where you're supposed to land. Now, God has a funny way of doing things because you'll have an idea in your mind of what you want it to be, but it ends up being what it was supposed to be, which may look completely different from what you thought it was supposed to be, right? Okay. Because we work in the work business, Mm -hmm. I work in the business of putting one step in front of the other. I work in the work business. I don't work in the results business. Okay. You see, because I am surrounded by a world of people, places, and things that I have no control over. The only thing that I can control is what I do with this meat casing that I walk in. And I have to do the best that I can to keep showing up but do it in a way that's tactful, do it in a way that's tasteful, 
that is respectful to my common man, that is respectful to my comrades, that is respecting the process of what it is that I do, and knowing that I am not in control, that I'm simply a vehicle to use the tools that have been God-given by me one day at a time. You speak so, that helps so much. Thank you so much, David. That was such a powerful account of a story that obviously has impacted you because you talk about 15 years. 15 years is a long time to have a mantra to keep guiding you through this process. And I love that word that you brought up, the process, trusting the process. In this path called life that we have set for ourselves and trying to reach our goals or trying to just like entertain the notion of, you know, achieving our dreams. A lot of people show a lot of haste and a lot of impatience or dare I say clumsiness into wanting to accelerate a process that they have not taken the time to master. Wondering if you could speak on that in terms of like, be patient, take your time, be humble. Cause that's a lot of what I, I've heard from you just now. Be remaining humble and being able to put yourself in a position to learn and to assimilate the knowledge of those around you. Well, yeah, I, I think that you did a great job explaining what it is to really trust the process, but let's really look at the word trust. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am to trust something or someone. So Olivier, you, you tell me, Hey David, at 5 PM, we're going to have dinner. Mm-hmm. I trust the powers unseen that you will be there. I trust that you will do what you say you're going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, if I believe down to the fiber of my being that I can be a successful, fully functioning, self-sustaining artist in the entertainment industry. If I believe that down to every piece of my body, then I have to do the best that I can. Okay. Suiting up and showing mm-hmm. up continue to show up, and then trusting, believing in the unseen that I will arrive at that destination because I believe it to be so, and I'm doing the best that I can with the tools that I have to show up and get there. Now, I say this often. I produce independent film. Producing Uh a movie is incredibly hard. To take an Uh idea from pencil scratch all the way to screen is a very complicated process. Now, If I tell you, Olivia, I'm going to make a movie, I'm not going to not make a movie. Whatever happens between A and B is whatever is hieroglyphics as far as I'm concerned. I got to get to B, baby. Uh Or I should say when it comes to making a movie A to Z, because there's a lot of different characters between A and Z, and that's the process of making a film. Uh I'm not going to not get to Z. I'm going to get to Z. But I have to trust the process, and I have to trust that all these other variables that I may see or don't see or don't understand are going to align themselves according to what I choose my will to be. So again, believing that you can do it to the most inner core of yourself, knowing that this is your manifest destiny, knowing that it is your molecular level gift, whatever that is that you are presenting to the world, Uh whether that is building a home for your children, whether that is saving up enough money to repave that driveway, whether it is buying the car your dreams, or whether it is headlining a studio film. If you fight and continue to show up every day relentlessly and power through like a wild animal and operate on your creative and your impulses and instincts, obviously within reason, trust the process. Trust that it will happen. So now we're talking about trust, which is synonymous with faith. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get religious or, or, you know, or have all kinds of spiritual hyperbole flying around, but trust is believing in the unseen. 
Faith is believing in the unseen. Faith is synonymous for this shit might work. So I have been showing up professionally for myself for 15 years. As a result of that, I'm now a, 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 a working, self-sustaining, artistic professional in film and television. Now, if I had given up and if I had chosen to succumb to the pain when my head was in my hands, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But trust I, the process. But I trusted. I trusted knowing that, David, you can do this. And like, and, and Paul Coelho says it best in The Alchemist, that when we conspire to greatness, the universe will conspire to help make it so. You spoke about that exactly. Um, I remember one of your posts, you mentioned that your existence is your reality. If you don't see it, if you don't live it, it will not manifest itself. Whatever you believe, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you believe is, is, is you're right. It's like, I, I once had a, you know, I had a, someone that I was with intimately, you know, she, she decided some years ago, I'm not, we haven't been together for a while, but, but you know, this person said, you know what, David, I, I, I don't believe that this is the right thing. We've been together for, you know, a couple of years and it broke my heart. Hurt. Hurt real bad, you know, daggers. But who am I to tell her that her experience isn't the truth? <laughs> How arrogant can one be? So if that is your truth, whether good, bad, or indifferent, if I believe that I'm a television star, if I believe that I am a movie star and I have the potential to be that, that is my truth. Now, you know, whether you want to believe that you're successful or not, either way, you're correct. The hesitation that some people often have, and I know you're going to understand what I'm trying to say here. The thing is, sometimes we entertain a an interest, let's just call it as is, and they say, like, you know what, I'm going to be, I don't know, let's just say a fencing champion, but sure. you don't practice, you don't, you, you don't understand the rules, you don't show up, you don't watch documentaries, you don't look, you don't find the coaching, but you do, you know what, I'm going to be a fencing champion. It's just like one story you said, like, you know what, if you don't put in the work, if you don't understand the basics, if you don't, you know, just try your best to be your best, because you said it yourself, I can respect a five-minute short film but it's got to be good. A two-hour two feature that's crap, okay, stay in your lane. That's sure. the thing. A lot of people like to entertain a passion versus a hobby. Are you entertaining your dream or are you just you know, in love with the idea of your dream? See what I'm trying to say? Because a lot of people make that mistake. I Maybe do, you're but... not doing what you're supposed to do. No, I, I, I do. And I think that there is, um, there's a difference between, um, what is, what is real and what is fantasy. Okay. You have to also metrically understand what you're capable. Of. You know, at this point, you know, I'm not going to be a major league baseball player. It's just not in the fucking cards. You know, I never was physically capable of knocking the leather off of a baseball at 95 miles per hour. And now in the second act of my life, it ain't going to start today. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to put my energy in that direction. Um, you have to really sort of know thyself, right? You have to be aware of who you are and really honestly, what are you capable of? Right. So I think that the first step is knowing yourself, understanding what you want that vision to be, but, but metrically understanding, is it really feasible? 
Now, if you can honestly say, for example, Olivier, like let's take you for example, if you decided mm-hmm. that you wanted to be a master watercolor painter, <laughs> I, I believe, I believe with I believe that you could achieve that. Certainly. Yeah, because there are certain physical attributes that come with that. Now. Makes sense. Right. If you, now, if you suddenly said, Hey, I want to be an astronaut. I'm like, Hey man, let's really have a conversation, bro. Where are you coming from? Right. Um, so you have to metrically understand who you are and what you're capable of, like in, in a realistic way. Now, if you Obviously. know, if you know that you can metrically achieve something, then you have to really apply yourself in, 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 in every discipline and every department of your vision. Now, sometimes hobbies become careers and sometimes careers eventually fade off and they become hobbies. Um, we, as adults, as professional adults, I don't remember what the statistic was, but I think it's something to the effect that most adults change careers. Like I think it's up to seven times in their lives. Seven times. Yeah. That's the statistic. Seven to eight times. Yeah. Right. And so that's a staggering figure. We're talking about, about like actually like shifting discipline. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I went going from like an IT person to a marketing person, from a marketing person to a real estate person. Like these are career changes. Right. So if your hobby is so far out of your potential reach, then let it just be a hobby. But if it is within your reach and you know it's within your reach, then go for it. And hey, man, who am I to stop the, the 85 year old guy that wants to be a salsa champion? Because as far as I'm concerned, if I see an 85 year old guy running the, you know, touring the international salsa circuit, even if he's a little clumsy, I'm going to applaud my ass off I'm applaud. the floor. Because at the end of the day, that that 85 year old attempt at a professional salsa dancer, he has to sleep with himself. He ain't sleeping with me or my ideas or my thoughts of him or my perceptions of him. I was just, I'm in New Orleans right now shooting a TV show. I was stomping, mm-hmm. I was stomping through Mardi Gras and I saw a woman who was probably about 85 years old and she's, uh, uh, driving a, um, um, a rickshaw, rickshaw, which is like that bike that's got the seat in the back with the little mm-hmm. roof over for, 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 for tourists to get from A to B for people that don't know what a rickshaw is. And inside mm-hmm. that rickshaw, it was full of LED lights and she had like two 12-inch subs in there that were pumping with LED flashings and she was playing like, you know, new trap hip-hop and she had this big furry hat on and she was just beast mode. I mean, like, it almost, it was so over the top, It my immediate social programming told me that's ridiculous. What the hell is this lady doing? But then I paused for a second and I was like, no, that that's actually kind of fucking awesome. Because that is a person living their best life and doing what they want to do in the third and fourth act of their life. Who am I to tell on their them? own terms? On their own terms. Who am I to tell them different? And even and how arrogant would I be if I tried to be the world police and tell her how to live her life? No, ma'am, that's not your age. Is exactly. And as long as you're not, as long as I, I so I guess in a roundabout way. If you are impulse to do something and you're not treading on anyone and you're not hurting anyone and you're not like, you know, taking money out of your baby's mouth and you're just kind of having a good time at it, go. Just go. If it fills you, if it makes you carry yourself and walk at a higher vibration, then you're helping the world. Because positive vibrations are infectious.
It resonates. Absolutely does. I don't know if I answered your question. You definitely did, because it's something that you have to admire in both humility and respect. When you see someone trying their hardest to manifest or just, you know, try their best at something that they're curious about, whether you've been working in office or a nine to five, just working a desk job, but you want to try making candles on weekends, or you want to try to, you know, just learn public speaking or just go do, go, just go do some theater work, you know, in some amateur troupe. Sure. You, you shouldn't laugh at someone. You should applaud that, you know, at least they're making an effort. Right. Don't, you know, don't don't just basically you know, be so discriminating or, as you said, egotistical to the point of like, why you got to be hating? They're trying something out. What right. are you doing exactly? Right. I mean, I was listening to Gary Vee the other day and uh, he, he said something that just stopped me in my tracks. He, it was just a blip on Instagram. And he said, everybody's got time. He said, stop watching fucking Lost. So obviously it was, a quote, it was a quote from like, you know, the early 2000s. But mm-hmm. everybody's got time. You know, because oftentimes, and I also, I really talk about decisions, right? Uh, decisions mm-hmm. that oftentimes don't manifest themselves into activity. So the riddle is, there are three men sitting on the edge of, uh, on the edge of a bridge. Three men are sitting there. One of the men decides to jump. How many men are remaining on the bridge? One of the men decides to jump. Okay, I'm going to launch it out there as a stupid answer. I'm guessing two. Right. One could argue philosophically that it would be two. However, mm-hmm. people of, I think, of most sound mind and body would say, no, there are three men still sitting on the edge of the bridge. Because how many times do we wake up and make decisions to do something? It's the New Year's resolution. Those are decisions. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to drink any more alcohol. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to quit smoking cigarettes. I'm going to stop cheating on my wife. I'm going to, I'm going to balance the, the, the bank account. I'm going to save $500 a month to get to the point that I get that down payment of $30,000 so I can get that house. We make decisions all the effing time, but those decisions do not always translate into some sort of palpable result. They just don't. And we're allowed to. We're allowed to make decisions. We're allowed to to flounder on our thinking and feel insecure. And like you said earlier, um, um, stutter step or 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 falter or get or false start. We're supposed to do these things because we're testing the waters. But at some point. You have to be true to yourself and step into your decision and turn it over into something real. Because even if you fail, you can stack your vertebrae by performing a self-esteemable act. I said I was going to make a model airplane. I didn't do it. I keep kicking myself in the butt because I didn't do it. Okay, finally I got to doing it. And it looks awful. But I feel good because I did it. Because you did it. Now suddenly, I'm increasing my self-esteem by behaving my way through esteemable acts. By, by, by being loyal to myself and my own sense of self. By saying, I'm going to do it. I made a decision and I'm walking into it. And nothing is going to stop me. And in fact, not only is nothing going to stop me, I'm going to invite the people in my sphere for a little bit of help. Because I would like to see this decision come to reality so that we can suddenly have a better estimation of self. 
and increase my okay. self-esteem because my self-esteem is my self-estimation. If I'm a person that makes a lot of decisions but never walks into them, suddenly I start falling into this, this abyss of darkness because I don't feel accomplished. Because a lot of people fall into that trap, don't they? A lot of people have lots of ideas, lots of initiative, but lack the follow-through. But you're very big on discipline and accountability from what they hear. Yeah, I, I, I am. I am. And to the point that I get, um, I, I'm really hard on myself. Um, and I think it's important for us to um, be in a position where we're always trying to hold ourselves accountable. Right? Accountability is really, really important. Um, in whatever creative field or even professional field, it doesn't really matter what discipline you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, all you really have in your discipline are your principles. What are your fucking, what are your scruples, man? You know, uh, do you want to be known as a person that is, that's professional, that presents themselves well, that is articulate, that is focused, that is on time? Now let's talk about on time. You're either early or you're late. There ain't no such thing as on time. There you go. You know what I mean? So, or do you want to be known as someone who's sort of, you know, introverted, undecisive, unsure, um, you know, always needs a community opinion? Um, no. If you are in a position of leadership and you could be in a position of leadership in the home, you, you know, you said it yourself. You don't have to be a superstar to be a superstar. My father, shit, my father, you know, he's in his mid seventies now, you know, he had two careers, you know, make good money, kept a marriage and raised two children and owned a home and paid off all his bills. He says to me, he says, David, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't get divorced and I don't steal. As far as I'm concerned, my dad's a superstar. There you go. So you could be a superstar in your own home. You could be a superstar in front of a board of directors. You could be a superstar on a stage in front of 500 people in a cast of Hamilton. Whatever your calling is, be a superstar at it. And so what do superstars do? Superstars have accountability. If you're, a, if, if you're a, an NFL quarterback, you've got a coach. You've got an offensive coach. You've got an offensive line. You've got receivers. You've got a playbook. You've got a lot of accountability, Right. So create Uh layers of accountability for yourself. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say to your spouse, hey, hon, I'd really like to get that deck built this summer. But, you know, I've been putting it off for a couple of years. and I I, I just want your help. Just, you know, just work with me and, you know, let's let's come up with a system. Let's put some signs, you know, some sticky notes on the fridge. Let's put up together. Let's put put a calendar up in the kitchen. You know, um, you know, ask me how I'm doing with the project. Like, hold me accountable. You can create those layers for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And then the self-esteem comes when you see your son playing on it. So wow. these are the things that are important to, to I think, real uh, leadership and, and, and follow-through. Because I think that leadership is a side effect of follow-through. Chew on that one. Because you don't become a leader until you follow through. And then what, and what, and what precedes the follow through? Right? So you have to see something, pursue it, reach it, attain it, attain it, and retain, retain. it, and then repeat. So that's, repeat. The title, that's the title of my book that's coming out. The book. Right. Yeah. So, um, I know, cheap pitch. Um, no, no, no. It was just a definite, I was going to talk about it a little bit later for sure. Right. Like, you know, you just launched into it. Right. But it was, <laughs> but you know, the, the timing seemed right. But, you know, nonetheless, it's, 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 people are, I think 
bosses give themselves titles. Leaders acquire a title. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. But leaders become leaders invisibly by their comrades or their group. Okay. Because it's so funny. You talk a lot also, um, especially in that leadership point, about vibrating at the same frequency. And you've spoken a lot about the people we surround ourselves with and about how that obviously shapes uh, your mental thought process, the way you see the world, how do you relate to the world? Because you've spoken a lot about the fact in you know the f- previous chapters when you were y- when you were younger, obviously about you mentioned that you were a troublemaker, and then now you know you're all about you know collaborating and inclusion and motivating. And I'm wondering what that shift was like for you. Was it a hard switch, and what made that progression eventually? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I was a turbulent kid. Um, I was, uh, I was, I was a troublemaker. I was pretty sociopathic. Um, as I got into my early to mid thirties, I started sort of, I guess what one could say coming of age maybe, but there was something really pivotal that happened in my life at that time. And that was my track to finding a spiritual plane of life, and that doesn't mean religion, but accepting that I was not the sort of ruler of my universe, that I'm strictly a vessel, that I am a messenger. Now that came as a result of my sobriety. Um, I stopped drinking and living a party lifestyle some years ago. And when you're living in that world, that sort of, you know, massive consumption of alcohol and drugs and nightclubs and parties and fast sex and, and, uh, and after hours and what you quote unquote think is the life, which is just basically living in the fast lane. And there's a culture that comes with that. Whereas eventually I was willing enough to look on the other side of, of, of the crescent and look in the light. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do this thing called life. And so I, I slowly, because it doesn't happen overnight, but I slowly began to spread my, my, my legs a little wider so I could step out of the, that dark, tumultuous lifestyle. And I eventually just stopped doing it slowly, slowly, slowly. And as I stop doing it, if I pour water out of a vase and then I fill it with apple juice, it's going to fill the same amount of space inside of the vase. Uh-huh. Liquid will fill the negative spaces. And I think emotionally and spiritually is what happened to me. That once I removed all this negativity from my life, slowly there was space for other things to fill it. The first step of it was fitness. 
I suddenly got deeply involved into physical fitness. I was always an athletic sort of dude, but I got involved in like high intensity boot camp training and interval training and CrossFit. And I got into great physical shape. And then suddenly I started being more interested in putting the right foods in my system. And I quit smoking cigarettes. And, you know, once I quit smoking cigarettes, then I said, okay, great. Now suddenly all of this mental energy, this random access memory that, you know, if you think about a computer, I talk about this in my book, is that a computer mm-hmm. has random access memory, which is basically the amount of information it can hold at one time. And then the processor speed, which is how fast can it relay those thoughts? So my random access memory, which is the, the basically the, the vault of my thoughts throughout the course of a day, so much of the, that random access memory was no longer dedicated to seeking the after hours, texting multiple women, um, looking for drugs and alcohol, looking for the next party, uh, going to bars or clubs three or four times a week. So that culture was removed and suddenly it became filled with, oh my God, there's a whole world out there. An awakening. An awakening. It truly, for me... Uh, was and is on a daily basis, a spiritual awakening. And I slowly learned how to be a positive member of the human experience. And that is why I'm so interested in the collaborative nature of life now, not just in film, but just in general. Um, I, I am a happy nomad. I love to explore. My curiosity is spiked. Um, and I'm sort of getting back to who I think my God intended self was. Because you've spoken so much about our thought process and what you call, obviously, the thought life. Yes. And um, there's one video that you put out on YouTube, and I'll definitely link it up in the blog post for this episode. Um, guys, you should definitely check it out. The comparison that you make from good to great, I'm not going to spoil it. But you definitely made a reference to one of my favorite movies. Like, one of my favorite movies. I could never stop watching that movie. Like, I don't know if to, from here on end. But you did mention the film Gladiator. Really and I just want, and I really want you to, you know, share it with the audience, if you can, about Maximus and the after battle. And I want you to make that relation from good to great and why. Right. Of course. Of course. Now, you know, let, let me say this. I mean, um... I, good is the enemy, good is the enemy of the great, um, not something that I wrote. So I, but I do, uh, a guy named, uh, Kurt Reese Peoples wrote that. Now I do absorb that into my, the way that I think because it is pivotal. It is a, it's a, it's a pivotal component to really achieving your maximum place of success. I truly feel. So to get to what you're talking about, for anyone that hasn't seen the movie Gladiator, this is a great example of the good is the enemy of the great. And the simple version is this. We give ourselves permissions in our life to do certain things. And a lot of the times we give ourselves permissions to only be so good or only be so great. Now, a perfect example of that is that there are people out there that that own homes. There are people out there that their bills are paid, their needs are met, they raise families, and and they're happy with just being good. You know, maybe they got a a bit of a beer belly, you drink three days a week, you watch some football, you know, you're not in the best physical shape, but hey, you pay your bills, you you raise family, you're good. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then there are the select few that want to be great. Now, great is fucking hard. One of the hashtags I use when I go to the gym and I work out three to five days a week, whether I like it or not, is hard work and sacrifice. Hard work and sacrifice. So go to the movie. In the movie Gladiator, Russell Crowe is a general 
of a Roman army. In the beginning of the film, they're about to go to battle with the barbarians. And in the beginning of that battle, he leans over, he drops a knee, and he grabs a handful of the soil, and he smells the soil. So that he's aware of what he's standing on in case he falls on that battlefield. He knows his resting place. They go on to win the battle. The night of the post-battle is in the encampment of the, of the Roman battalion. All the men are celebrating the spoils of their victory. They've got, you know, golden goblets and jewels and swords from the fallen enemy warriors. And they're drinking meat and they're eating legs of lamb and whatever they're doing, they're, 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 they're or, or they're mending wounds, they're hurting and they're, they're celebrating. And, and, and we see Russell Crowe's character and he's walking through the encampment, still wearing his armor and he's surveying his men. Now he is just as tired, he's just as he's just as fatigued, he's just he's just as defeated. But he's walking through and he's observing his men and he's preparing for the next move and what is going to be the future of these men. That's the distinction between the good and the great. Because he's choosing to be great. He's making a conscious choice to ensure that he is sacrificing himself for the betterment of the group. He's sacrificing himself for the betterment of the purpose. I, cho- I, He didn't even choose the role of being general. It just inevitably is who he was. So go back to my initial thought that bosses claim themselves, leaders are chosen. He was a chosen leader as a result of who he is, inside and out. Oh, probably all the way down to his genetic code. When he played, you know, when he played sports, that character we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe's character. When he played sports, probably as a small Roman boy, he probably just excelled. He probably just had an instinct for 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 leadership. Now, flash forward him being an adult, that's the distinction between the good and the great. Because you could choose to be good or you could choose to be great. It's gonna be up to you. You could choose to have a pot belly or you could choose to go to the gym. You could choose to have mediocre health or you could choose to have great health. That's up to you. But be okay with your decision. Because every decision, Accountability. every decision that we make has consequences. Some consequences are good. Some consequences are bad. Just be prepared to accept the consequences. I can choose today. I'm in New Orleans right now. Bourbon Street is three blocks away. I can choose to go there and pick up a drink and get wasted. But I need to be prepared to, to, to suffer the consequences of that decision. Or I can choose to look through that drink, know where it has taken me, knowing that where I am today is part of my greatness. So I am going to quell the ego and I'm going to sacrifice that experience for what I know is yet to come because I'm trusting the process and I have faith. And everything I ask for will be willed to me, provided that I stay on the path. So I'm choosing to be great. I'm choosing to do everything that I can to step into that fourth dimension activity, mind, body, and spirit. And then we're having this conversation now. And I hope that this conversation affects someone out there. So you take... That, that 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 idea that that blueprint for the addition on your house that 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 you take that maybe you're considering that personal loan for the home improvement you know maybe you're considering you know getting out of your your, your rat job and going back to school or hey, maybe you're considering getting on one knee and proposing to that woman that you love whatever that thing is that you're wrestling with either stop wrestling with it or let it go because when you're in the interim you're suffering yourself in purgatory 
There's no such thing as a half-assed. You can't do it half-assed. There is such a thing as half-assed. It just fucking hurts. You know, it does. It, 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 it does. It absolutely does. And it's uncomfortable. And it's heavy. When we let ourselves down, it just hurts. And it weighs on you. And we have to be able to purge ourselves of, of, of those behaviors. You know, depression, okay. depression has a hard time hitting a moving target. And you have to keep moving. I like that one. Depression has a hard time hitting a moving target. Okay. So if you just sit there and carry it with you and just like pain and wallow and just like, you're just observing, give it even more power, just dwelling on it. You're doing yourself a disservice. Correct. Correct. Get out and move. Get out and move. It's going to hurt. It's okay to cry in public. People do it all the time. And if people look at you like you're crazy, they don't know you. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to do things that are uncomfortable because discomfort is, is one of the things that is absolutely guaranteed with evolution. When things grow, when progress happens, when things change, they are absolutely painful. Transformation is not comfortable. Look at the mustard seed. The mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds on the planet that grows into this beautiful tree that offers gifts and life and shade and a home for insects and so on and so forth. Well, this small mustard seed, I like to use this metaphor. When you look at a mustard seed or any seed for that matter under a microscope, like you've seen that geo, you know, nature shows with this, you know, 4K great resolution and, you know, stop motion photography. You see this seed transforming into a sprout and then burning into a tree, you know, in, 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 in high frame rate and you look at it and you're wowed by it, but the bursting of that seed is like violent, <laughs> you know, it's exploding. It's, it's literally like something is growing out of itself. I mean, if that, if, if that thing had a nerve endings, it'd be really fucking painful that, you know, um, so transforming and stepping into something new is going to be uncomfortable. And that goes back to trusting the process goes back to when I got rid of one thing, it had to be filled with something else. Invariably, it became things of positive nature because that was the way that I was moving my feet. Uh If you're suffering from a heartache and you're in purgatory with, should I leave him or her? Should I do this? Should I not? I don't know who I'm talking to out there, but everybody out there, someone is meandering in a bad relationship that is not feeding you, that's not nurturing you. Let it go. Because if you let that go and you let that space just be empty long enough and then listen to the pain and feel the pain, feel the anxiety, let it train you, let it send you a signal so you know how to maneuver forward in your life, eventually that space will be filled up with something new, something new that will enrich your life and further your life and get you further down the process, further down the truth of who you are. You need to keep going. need to just keep going. You also shared, uh, that's something that I found really touching. The vulnerability in that uh, was something that, because that's something, you know, when we wrestle, because a lot of people do wrestle with mental health. I think men as well. Uh, I say this a lot, you know, having, you know, battled my own bouts with depression. Men don't talk enough. And you mentioned um, also at some point when you post on Instagram that, you know what, you're not having a good day mentally and spiritually. You weren't there. You were in a funk. But what you did, you know what, acknowledge accept, reach out to your circle, accept, and recognize that this is just a moment of humanity and frailty. And you know what? It's okay. There's nothing shameful about that. 
But a lot of people don't want to admit that to themselves. Hey, I'm supposed to be all wonderful and kumbaya and life is supposed to be great. Right. But that's not what it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, we live our life in acronyms. You know, I always want to give out the short version because I don't want to really let you into what's really going on. Mm-hmm. But the acronym is a short version for what's really going on. And it's important that we have to be honest with people really about where we are and what we're going through. And I talk about this often and, and, and thank you for, for, for studying my messages because to me it instigates good conversation because it's important that we understand that as human beings, we are fallible. We are flawed animals by nature. We will stumble. We will fall. And those stumbles and those falls will inform us. Denzel Washington said, when I fall, I want to fall forward. You're going to fall. Keep falling. Just fall forward. And that is a vital lesson. And it's okay to look at another man and say, dude, I, I, I need your ear, man. I'm hurting. I don't feel good today. I don't feel like the person that people perceive me as. I don't feel like a leader today. I don't feel like the best father today. I failed myself at at work. I dropped the ball. It's okay. That's really, really okay. As long as you take that feeling and you learn from it and you accept it as the fact that, hey, man, I am alive. Because for the most part, don't we want to just be content? I want to just be content. I say this often. I don't want to be happy all the time because that's that's just fucking annoying. <laughs> you know. There you go. Um, I want to understand the exhilaration of happiness. I do also want to understand the sinking pain of hurt. So if I can somehow meander in the middle and be for the most part content with my world and everything in and around it, I will understand happiness when it arrives. And I will understand pain when it arrives. And hopefully I'll have tools by the time those situations arrive where I'm willing to be, as you said earlier, humble enough to ask for help. We've lost. You can't do it yourself. We've lost too many great people to mental health issues, to suicide, to alcohol and drug addiction. The list is so long. And it's important that if there is anybody out there listening right now, that if you are in a position where you're hurting and you're not feeling well, somebody in your life cares about you and loves you. And it's important that you talk about it. You need to open up. Accept your humanity. Acceptance is an important part of this thing called life. It can't all just be about songs and great and let's go have a beer and the weekends and the football games and the hot dogs and, you know, the parades and stuff. No, there are moments of sadness. There is somebody in a hospital right now looking over their loved one, not knowing if they're going to wake up tomorrow. There are people who lost their jobs. There are people who lost, you know, their belongings to a fire. The list goes on. But yeah. you, there, there are just things as well that, you know, I'm talking about physical manifestation, but the battles from inside are also the, the deepest and most hurtful ones. But that's something that people need to speak on. Like you said, I'm not good. I'm not okay. I'm not doing well. I don't know how to interpret this, but I need to let it out and to speak. And that's the worst thing somebody can do is keep it bottled up inside. 120%. And when you are in that situation, this is important because that, that bottle eventually will pop. And when you're in that situation, like whether, you know, 
People are suffering from, you know, acts of God, horrible natural disasters. Their homes are burning and the list goes on. Inside that space of tragedy, whether it's emotional tragedy, emotional turmoil from a relationship loss of a job or whatever your case might be, acceptance is really your answer. Acceptance will help build a bridge to the next step in healing of that process. Accepting the consequences or the consequences is the right word, but accepting the, the environment or circumstances around you as exactly as they are. As soon as you're willing to accept what those circumstances are, then you can start looking at a solution. The problem is we have trouble accepting. I can't, I can't believe he or she did that to me. I, I can't believe they fired me or I, I can't believe I can't make enough money to get this thing or I, I, why me? And that's because you're not accepting the world as it is. As soon as I can let go of that angst and that anxiety about circumstances, maybe I can open up myself to be available to some kind of solution. Cause we're often blinded by the fact that we don't accept things. We need to accept where we are in this moment, not where we were, not where we would wish to be, but where we are. This is where you are. This is what you control. This is who you are and accept it. This is where you are. You know, I can give you a reference as an actor. I, I coach a lot of young actors and I tell them that, look, when you go into an audition room and you go in. You learned your lines. Okay, so let's say you learned your lines. You coached the scene. You got the blocking down. You're ready to turn this text into a moving piece of art. You're going to go in that room in front of those quote-unquote powers that be. The casting directors are recording it, putting you on tape for the producers. You're going to go in there, and your job is to book the room. That's it. Your job is not to book the job because the job is out of your control. The only thing you have control over is yourself and what you do in the room. You book the room. Like if you're going on the job interview, I mean, it's the same thing. As an actor, I go on an audition. It's a job interview. I book the thing. I book the job. I end up shooting somewhere. It's a job. So you go in that, you go. You go in that interview room. You, you got to book that room. Book that room. So you can leave the room knowing that, you, you know what, you gave it the best you got. That'll rise you through the day. Now, if you let yourself down in that room, okay, well, Okay, that's going to hurt. But you know you need to adjust now. You know you weren't prepared. You know you were nervous. So why were you nervous? I was nervous because I wasn't prepared. Okay, well, there it is. Be honest with the questions and be honest with the answers. Accountability for the fact that, okay, I wasn't my best self. No, I, I lost it because, you know, I wasn't my best self. I wasn't in the A game. I didn't, or my head wasn't in the game. I was not the best performer. Right. Oh, I was, oh, I was hungover or I was late. Well, why were you late? Okay. Well, that's because you were late because you're irresponsible. It's not like you didn't know the event was coming up. Right. So book the room, focus on what you can control. And then, and the rest, you just have to accept as, as it is. As it is. I want to segue into something that was, that I really wanted to talk about, which is the upcoming book. Um, I love the title. I love the title because again, it definitely, you know, illustrates some very powerful steps, if you will, you know, powerful chapters of, you know, this ongoing road of success. And that's very simple. Pursue the goal, reach, attain, retain, repeat. Let me say that again, guys. Pursue, reach, 
attain, retain, and repeat. You can't make a, a title like that up. My God. Where did the book germinate from, if you will? Like, where was it born from? And how soon can we expect it, David? Come on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, this is the deal. I, I'm, I'm widely known as a, as a spoken word poet. And I think a few years ago, I, I just, as I was putting sort of memes up, I, I put still image memes up on my Instagram and little sort of, you know, Bianchi experience quotables, if you'd like. And mm-hmm. um, that just came to my head one day. And then I looked at the, I looked at the abbreviation and pursue, reach, attain, retain, repeat is, um, it's, it's, it, it spells prar and it sounds like a lion's roar. It's like prar, prar. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. Um, and then I started thinking about, I was like, you know what, maybe I want to write a book. You know, I, I, I had gotten out of a situation. I was, I was in a, I was really in a dark place. I in a place of heartbreak and you know, how do you get out of, out of the darkness? You, you just strike a match, just strike a match. And so I was in this place of darkness and I knew I had to do something to get myself out of it. And so that was sort of the impetus of deciding to write a book. I didn't know what I was going to write a book about. And then I looked at that. I looked at one of the memes, pursue, reach, attain, retain, repeat. And I thought about that plan and I was like, okay, that's a roadmap. That is a roadmap to a spin cycle of success. How does one achieve success? How does one achieve a goal? Okay. So you're, if you break that into stages, and if I can extrapolate that and stretch it out into a real sort of systematic way of thinking, walking, talking, and behaving, maybe I can give you 150 pages of this idea of how to maybe take what you already know and represent it in this format, and you can apply it to your life and your discipline. The idea is that every step of the way is an important step. The art of pursuit. So to pursue something. Okay. So um, if I'm, let's say, for example, if you're in a singles bar and you see someone attractive across the room, um, mm-hmm. you decide that you want to speak to that person. And then maybe you catch eyes and you're like, okay, cool. There's a bit of a signal there. Okay. So you have to pursue that, right? You have to go into the activity of pursuit. So there's a whole set of thought processes, these of, of, of things that happen. I go through this. Okay. How am I going to walk? How am I going to talk? What am I going to say? Okay. Cool. I got to find the right moment. I'm going to walk across the room. I'm going to make sure I'm going to keep eye contact. I'm going to lose eye contact. Gonna, so there's the thought of how do you pursue whatever it is that is, right? And so if it is a job or if you're pursuing a degree, you have to go through the process of how to pursue. Now, once you get into the sort of the arm's length of that pursuit, then you have to reach. Now that's a whole different set of things because that takes a different set of courage. Because how many times have you been in that quote unquote singles environment and you saw that attractive person and you started walking across the room and then last minute you flaked out. You flake out. Last minute, damn, you know what? Mm, I'm just not, um, and then you kick yourself in the butt. You know, how many times have you done that professionally where you just last week just kind of flaked? So even once you start pursuing, you have to step into the reach. Then when you're stepping into the reach, you're reaching for it. Now you have to attain it. Now attaining it is just even if I just get my hand on the way, I got to hold on to it. You got to hold on. Now I got to pull it in and I got to retain it. Right? And so there's a whole different set of, of rules that apply to that stage of the process. And then hopefully you will repeat. Now, by the time the, the time you get to repeat, you have already evolved 
to the point that you understand the first part of the process that when you do it again, you're doing it with new sensibilities. And hopefully the first thing that you pursue, reach, attain, retain, and repeated or uh, got to the retain part, you've educated yourself enough that you can use that potentially as passive income as you move forward into the next stage of whatever it is that you're going to pursue. There you go. It's a a never-ending cycle. It's a never-ending cycle. And for some reason, as I'm listening to you talk about all these stages, for some reason, and I know this is probably unrelated, but for some reason, somebody came up in my head, and that's uh, Sean Combs, Diddy. Oh yeah. He's do you know how long it you know how hard it is to stay on top or to stay at that level of achievement and success and performance and always trying to reinvent yourself and always trying to just like go hard every single day? That has got to be exhausting for the common man. But he's been doing it day in and day out. And I don't know, for some reason it just came in my head as you were talking. It's just like that is, you know, one of many examples. He's a perfect example. He's a perfect example. I mean, look, man, if you, whatever you're working in, right, you might have a pop, right? Even in entertainment, me as an actor, okay, I I land on a show, you know, you get your own show. Yeah, you get a pop. But how do you stay there? How are, are you perpetually reinventing yourself to stay there? So an example, and I actually quote Puffy Combs, um, in my book, um, he says, uh, he says loosely, I'm going to paraphrase this, it's not in front of me, but he says, if you're not loving me, nurturing me, praying for me, or making money with me, you're a distraction. So one of the things that are the metaphors that I use in my book is I talk about the surfer and I talk about how, you know, you when, 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 the, when the surfer is looking for the perfect wave, you're going out there, there's a physical component to surfing and there's also a certain amount of showboating that's associated with surfing because it is a very high physical sport, right? So you're getting out there, you're searching for the perfect wave. You're paddling, you're paddling, you're paddling. You finally get that perfect wave. Now you catch that wave, you drop your weight, you lower your center of gravity and you're right in the barrel. Now, people on the beach, the spectators, the beautiful girls in the bikinis or the beautiful men, if you're a female surfer, they're watching you. Now you have two choices. You can let the work speak for itself or you could showboat. So someone who is interested in reinvention is not interested in showboating. They're interested in maintaining the barrel and figuring out the best possible dismount to smoothly transition out and they're thinking about the next wave. Mm-hmm. Or you can take the chance that you got the perfect wave and you can watch everybody at the sand that are screaming for you and waving for you and you can pay attention to them and lose your footing and suddenly your dismount falls apart. And in all that time that you're recovering trying to get yourself back in order to get back into the competition cycle, all those people that were waving at you on the sand, they moved on to the next surf. Or are you? Because you weren't thinking about the cycle. You weren't thinking about the repeat stage. You pursue, reached, attained, but you couldn't retain. Couldn't retain. And you couldn't repeat. Couldn't repeat. It's amazing. And it takes a lot of wisdom and perspective to... Uh, take ownership of the importance of every single one of these stages because there's no there's no skipping and there's no substituting it is a process and you need to follow through with that process it it absolutely it is a it is a process the process is paramount 
um, when is the book coming? So the book is complete. Um, I am, well, I'll, I'll say this. The manuscript is complete. Um, I just got my line edits back from my editor. I, I'm looking to have this thing out into the ether um, probably by mid to end of this year. Um, one of the things that I'm very interested in doing, and I, I will be doing this year, is I will be sort of out on the circuit speaking a little more um, to undergraduates at the university level, but also speaking to entertainment people, um, speaking on leadership panels and leadership summits that will absolutely be a part of my future uh, this year much, much more than ever. Um, because I think that, um, in fact, I, I know that I have – uh, a molecular level gift that is geared towards inspiring, empowering, uplifting, and motivating change in people's lives and reminding people that everything that you have comes from the inside, not from the out. You don't I, need to convince me. I definitely believe that, David. I, I always just, I always tell people movies aren't made with money. Movies are made with inspiration. Because. It is. What drives a movie? Someone that walks into the room and pitches one mean idea. And where did that come from? That came from the diaphragm. That came from the thunder of your core. Money doesn't make movies. Inspiration, courage, and drive makes movies. And the same thing applies, I think, to any other discipline in this world. You could be a, a, a prosecuting attorney. How do you win the case? You know? Um, I think fundamentally, uh, some people have a knack for what they do and some people are great and a lot of people are good and some are willing to just be good and some are fighting to be great. And those that want to be great, like you use Sean Puffy Combs, for example, he fights every day to stay great. Every day. Every day. Repeat. Every day, repeat. Every day, repeat. I know you're busy, David. I know it's, we're coming up on top of the hour, but again, I could go on, but it really pains me to have to cut it short. But again, for everything, this wisdom, this time, this insight, this genuine heart of truth and purpose, David, I want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Wishing you nothing but success and ongoing greatness into your path um, good luck with the publishing of the book. Definitely, definitely, we'll keep in touch. You know, just to see how it's going. And uh, I just want to just kind of looking out for 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 a copy. I'll definitely get my copy. Yes, but um, <laughs> I always like to end up the conversation uh, by leaving the floor open to the guest. Uh, just a quote, a passing thought, a kind word, a call to action that people can wake up tomorrow and maybe take that next step towards their next level. You know, anything you want to leave the listeners with. Sure. Um, this is something that I wrote that's um, personal to me, um, that the only time not worth taking time is time wasted. Oh, wow. That takes some thought. That is going to, that, that really shook me right there. The only time not worth taking time is time wasted. Because it's the one resource we can't get back. You cannot get it back. And it's, and that is kind of a, a paradoxical statement in that how do you know that the time is wasted unless you take the time to begin with? So in other words, no time that you give to anything, any time that you give to something that you believe in is never wasted, even if you feel that it is. Because you'll find out in hindsight that maybe you feel it was wasted, but it wasn't because you always learn something. 
in all humility and gratitude. David, I can't thank you enough. Seriously. Um, definitely. I don't know what the universe has in store, but open invitation. Anytime you want to be back, if ever the, you know, the agendas align, definitely would love to have you back, you know, sometime in the future, see how this podcast goes. But this was definitely such a genuine thrill and a privilege. Uh, where can people look for, look for you on the Instagrams, on the interwebs? Uh, I know we yeah. have David Bianchi dot actor, but where can people find you, David? Uh, yeah, um, you can, I mean, I'm pretty Google, Google me, um, but, uh, David Bianchi, that actor, um, on Instagram at, uh, David Bianchi underscore official. Um, if you're looking for leadership and motivation, uh, at the Bianchi experience, at Bianchi experience, not the Bianchi experience. Um, and, um, I don't know if this is timely or not, but April 12th, you can catch me on a big episode of MacGyver, um, on CBS. And, uh, I'm now recurring on a show called Queen of the South. And um, some other projects are sort of bubbling, but uh, you know, definitely find me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Don't be shy. DM me. Reach out. I did the best that I can to get back. Um, you know, obviously, me and Olivier or Oliver are on this call as a result of um, of Instagram and just connecting. It's a fantastic tool, man. And the universe will align you and give you everything that you need. And uh, if there is a closing thought, um, the final and closing thought is that you are already enough. There we go. Guys, he is David Bianchi, actor, producer, screenwriter, motivational speaker, poet, and a man of so, 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 so many facets, as you can see. A genuine, genuine individual and a terrific human being. Uh, definitely will look out for this uh, for this episode once it goes live with all the links on, on this blog post. I am your host, Olivier Day, signing off from Canada, all the way up to New Orleans. <laughs> Nolens. Guys, again, stay safe, stay wonderful, stay blessed with love and humility. And guys, always remember to stay awesome. Have a terrific evening. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We do love to get your feedback, so please drop us a line. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review. We always do appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.